Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Happy Saturday matinee to you gentlemen, Steve, Andy. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dealing my morning so, phrase, Andy. Good morning. <laughs> good morning is, is your phrase. Yes. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> Dang it. I don't get to go first on anything on this show. <laughs> no, you, you found the loophole this morning. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud That's of you. Good. I'm proud of you. Wow, what a week. Right? With the movie drama? Here we go. Oh, yeah. First of all, California is on fire which is unreal uh, given the true tragedy in the South and East. Uh, and now, I mean, this, these are my old stomping grounds. Uh, I, I really deepest thoughts uh, with folks who are affected in, in uh, Northern California uh, by the fires. It's really, it's, it's a horrible spectacle going on up there. And Harvey Weinstein. Oh, wait. So here, here's, here's the segue you need, Beat. On Deadline.com, the dumpster fire that is the Harvey Weinstein scandal will continue to burn a while longer. Everything is burning in California. I, deep, I, I was actually going for something like that, but now that I hear it written out, it's it doesn't play. Oh. <laughs> I take it back. I regret that I even thought about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, boy, 
when this guy torpedoes himself, he goes big. Just like his career. Yeah. Do we have, uh, are there kind words left to say of Harvey? <sighs> I don't think anybody liked him before. He did a nice edit on Cinema Paradiso, you know, a, a while back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many, how many movies did he re-edit and well, ruin, he, theoretically? He re-edited one and made it better, apparently, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of a uh, I mean, you know, I will say that that uh, the Weinsteins did have a good handle on kind of a, a different direction for the industry. And, you know, having uh, some of the great stuff that came out of Miramax, I think was nice. And I think they've struggled with um, the Weinstein company since they shifted to that. But um, boy, with all of this, it's just I mean, his name is tainted. People are saying that uh, Wind River might lose all chance of getting any Oscar nominations because of it, because it was under the brand. Uh, people are trying to figure out what to do with um, uh, The Current War, the other big Weinstein movie that was going to be pushed this fall for Oscar contention. Um, now they're like, well, do we release it or do we have to shelve it for a year or so or sell it to another company? It's crazy. It is a, just a, a, you know, it's it's amazing how many layers his um his scandal has wrought across uh, the industry with people who largely um you know weren't involved in that it's just horrifying and i i don't know where do, where do you stand on the uh um people who were quiet for too long trope oh well yeah it's like matt damon and ben affleck have just been like sucked into this negative whirlpool here of because they were you know i mean that was really their career built on that and it's just, yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where there's so many people saying you were involved so long with Harvey. How did you not see? How did you not know that this was going on? Or was it just, you know, the, it's easier to, to look away, to, to have a, well, yeah, he's sort of a, maybe he pushes limits, but I'm just going to, you know, look the other way. Maybe not knowing some of the worst things. But being aware somewhat of, you know, ah, he's that kind of guy. It, it's 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 really challenging position for I think them both to be in, and a lot of people. I mean, I think Kevin, Kevin Smith came out, you know, a lot of people with a statement. But it's just, yeah, again, it's one of those. It doesn't surprise anybody, and that's the shock. You know, that's the thing. If well, if nobody was surprised, why did it take so long? Well, and people on both sides knew, and they all had their mouths shut, like. Ben Affleck came out and said something and Rose McGowan, who apparently was somebody who had been harassed, you know, she fired right back at him because, you know, she knew that he knew. And, he, you know, it's just like all of these things. It's like it's 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 just kind of releasing a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that had been bubbling under. And it's 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 all coming out now. And it's it'll be uh, it'll be a rough time, I think, for a lot of people in the industry. I think it's it, it's one of those things. I have a hard time blaming those who knew and didn't come forward uh, for for any number of reasons. But I, I certainly recognize that you know what happens in a state of trauma is you know the the fear that goes along with it. Um, the the that you can't imagine that this happened. That it feels like another reality. That it's it, you don't want to come forward alone. That. Um, you know, it didn't happen to me, even though I knew it happened. It didn't happen to me. It's not my place. Like the 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 sort of feelings and emotions that come along with dealing with post trauma events, uh, in including sexual assault, uh, is is incredibly complicated, right? It's something that you just you can't just say she right. should have come forward yeah. sooner, um, it, it, and and do that with a sense of judgment or blame. I I just don't think that's fair, uh, and in this case, I, I feel like we needed um, an, an instigator like you know like Rose McGowan who has taken the the lion's share of um, you know sort of praise and public punishment for the way she has handled this. But we needed somebody you know who was willing to start the the avalanche uh, so to speak and and you know create a space where people are at least less fearful about coming out and speaking for themselves because they know they're not alone. That That's what, what probably needed to happen, as horrible, horrible as it is. It went on decades too long. He should have been caught and ousted years ago. I get that. 
but I also feel a great deal of compassion for the people who who were struggling because they feared for their, you know, their really fragile careers. I mean, these people are stars now, but careers in Hollywood are enormously fragile. So I, I get it. Like, I get it. We, I think we need to cut these folks a little bit of a break. Yeah, well, Bruce McGowan, had, I think it was like last year or a couple of years ago, had, you know, spoken about sort of, you know, sexual harassment and abuse in Hollywood and hadn't named names, but said, you know, it happened to her and women need to have the the strength and, and unify to come out and start standing up for these things. So when this story broke, you know, I was not surprised to see her name attached because I know it's something that she has been very passionate about that, you know, things need to change and women cannot yeah. let themselves be subjected to this for fear of, you know, the impact on their career. Absolutely. And and you have, I mean, people who have become real firebrands for this. Mika Brzezinski had a three-book deal with Hatchette, which is the, um, you know, his brand, uh, his book company. Uh, and it, she pulled the deal, uh, mostly because as soon as it was announced, apparently she said, don't go for press on this thing. I'm not ready. I don't want this, you know, I don't want to, we signed the contract, but I don't want you to do anything. He immediately rushed to page six and said, we've got a three book deal with Mika Brzezinski. Uh, and then this comes out, she pulled the deal until the company was reorganized and he was taken off the charter. Like he's, he's out of Hachette now and uh, it's been reorganized. There are some women in leadership there and she's, she's back on it, but she, has been sort of uh, loudly beating the blame drum. Why haven't you come out sooner? And and I just I think that's really uh, that's a tough line to to hold for too long. These are people who who uh, obviously struggled with their decisions. So um, it, it probably is happening the way uh, it was supposed to happen to build up enough momentum against this guy. I mean, he's he was for good or ill executive producer behind three hundred thirty one titles. Like he, that's, he has, he's, he's the giant boulder in the indie cave, you know? I mean, he's just a, he's a, a powerhouse or was. Yeah. So, anyway. it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with the, the company, uh, with, with their future movies, with uh, just any future work, if they're going to have to close the company or sell the company or rebrand the company. It's curious. I heard rebranding. I heard I I got that, but they're seriously thinking about a dissolution. Well, I guess now that I'm reading a little more, um, I guess um, Bob ended up coming out after that report saying that um, they were uh, going to either sell or shutter the the company. But now he said, um, "No, that's not true. Uh, we're not exploring that, but we are trying to figure out a plan." So I'm not sure if that was something that they'd considered and somehow it got out. Or, or what, but they, you know, obviously there's just, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made right now. So we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, is that the only, is uh, Wind River the only thing in theaters right now that they're concerned about? Uh, well, the of their big films, it was yeah. the, the Wind River and um, uh, then the one that's coming out later in the year, the the current war. That's the one yeah, that yeah. they're, they're really at a loss for what to do because it's, uh, um, because it's it's a big Oscar, you know, push for them. But, you know, now people are saying, you know, if we push that with the Oscars, it's going to um, make people think about this and it's going to lose all of its chances. So no one's really quite sure what's going to happen. I mean, I think all the right. other one that was just out was Tulip Fever, but I don't think that really got much of a, a release. No, not, yeah, I don't think so either. I, I don't actually, I mean, I, I think it was here for a week. Yeah, that uh, disappeared pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, what else is on your list? Do we want to talk uh, box office? Yeah, it's been, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's been a, a huge uh, box office right now. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they had, it was four movies open this past weekend. It was Happy Death Day, The Foreigner, Professor Marston, and The Wonder Woman, and Marshall. Um, Happy Death Day uh, actually did a great job for its Thursday night previews. Um, it didn't do as well as it did, but it did do better than... Uh, Ouija origin of evil evil which uh which opened same time last year um yeah it got a million dollars during its previews so that's that's a good start for kind of that silly comedy horror that they're going for and it seems like the crowd has been kind of looking for that um the foreigner had gotten that's jackie chan's new one that's gotten really bad reviews so i don't know if that's gonna really last at all unless that people makes just, me so sad well but you got to look at a lot of jackie chan films like how many of them got good reviews i don't know if people go to jackie chan movies for the reviews i think they go to watch jackie chan fight yeah 
So but that's the problem because yeah. I think he's he was just on NPR the other day and he says, you know, I think I'd like to do a drama. I'm not sure that's a great idea. <laughs> maybe step away from that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe not, Jackie. Maybe not. Um, but you know, it's it's one of those um, those times right now. I mean, it is certainly still uh, really popular in theaters. Unfortunately, I think Blade Runner has been. Um, not doing as well as people were expecting it to, considering the reviews. But it's certainly one that we all love, and I think we're all still hoping that it's going to end up um, uh, finding its uh, finding its place. Uh, has it aged well with you guys? I I can't stop thinking about it, and I really want to go check it out again. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. I'm just trying to look at my calendar to see where where can I fit this in before it, because I'm concerned about it starting to leave theaters because it's you know box office if the audience isn't there there's more stuff that's going to start filling up those spots and it was such a tremendous experience i, w- I want to catch it one more time on a, a really nice size screen because there's so much to it i feel like i really need to go back and it, i'm like with andy it's just sort of stuck in my brain and i can't stop thinking about that whole story me too absolutely it's it's just beautiful and i uh, you know, I I found myself going so far as like downloading a bunch of the my favorite stills from the film and making them my computer's desktop wallpaper. Like I can't stop thinking about the imagery, uh, and uh, it's it is absolutely worth seeing. I you know I sat down. I had the opportunity to sit down with JJ and another friend uh, over dinner a couple of nights ago, and and um, he said that he finally sat down and watched the original uh, Blade Runner. And his response, it surprised me because I expect everybody who sees Blade Runner to say that they loved it. (laughs) I find I get my feelings a little bit hurt when they don't. (laughs) And and he said uh, his response was, yeah, I can see why people love it. And I thought that's the most backhanded compliment of the movie I have ever heard. Exactly. (laughs) I can see why people say they like your shirt, too. Doesn't make it Versace. Well, I, I think it it is with with both of them. It's the challenge of the sort of the tone of the film, as even I mean the first one, the original, is more action oriented, but not really till the the last act. And so it is one of these uh, just explore the setting. You know, it's it's really about that atmosphere, and you get that. And I think if people are expecting something more and not understanding this is just a film that takes you slowly through the setting along this these stories yeah when you say oh my gosh it's this this sci-fi classic depending on what some of their other favorite science fiction films are they can have some you know a range of expectations so if you're thinking oh it's going to be it's harrison ford in the 80s it's going to be like thrilling adventure like indiana jones in the future and and that's not what it is so i i think you know he needs to, now he's seen it once, let it sit, come back maybe in six months, and then we can start having real conversations about about that with him. Yeah, yeah well, now he's going to go see 2049, and he, I know he wants to see it on the big oh, screen, which I course. think is to its credit. Uh, and so hopefully that will improve things for him. But I think he's on, you know, we had some other folks who said uh, in Slack chat, I think even Ben Lott was one of them who said um, that, um, you know, he wasn't a huge fan of the original. Therefore, there's a good chance that 2049 will be better. Uh, for him. And again, for me, those films ended up numbers four and five on my all-time top favorite flick chart list. They're really solid films. And uh, definitely, it's it's one that's worth seeing in the theater. It's just, it's a really great one. So I, I hope more people get out and see it as it stands. I think that the, the box office predictors out there are... Um, thinking that Happy Death Day is actually going to beat it at the box office this weekend, which is a real surprise because everybody was kind of expecting that Blade Runner would really kind of hold first place for at least a couple of weeks. And it's, um, I think it's going to be shocking people, but here's hoping that it, uh, that it does find more of an audience. Did you say it is still performing? Yeah. It's not like top of the box office anymore, but I mean, it's, no. it still is, you know, for a horror movie that opened uh, a month ago, it's still doing really well for itself. And I still haven't seen it. <laughs> I know. I know, I know. Uh all right, gentlemen, let's do trailers. Let's do it. Well, I got the red band Steve rule. Steve found the loophole. I got the red band rule. <laughs> he goes first. Okay. All right. So I watched this trailer like I watch you know 
it's a movie that I didn't know anything about. And those are the trailers I watch because I want to know, is this something I'm going to go see in theaters? And I was just totally impressed with the talent that's in this. So we've got the late Anton Yelchin. This is his last role. We've got Olivia Cook, one of my favorites from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and Anya Taylor-Joy from Split. This is Thoroughbreds. This looks like an interesting crime film. Like the tagline is good breeding goes bad. So we've got some some wealthy teens that are getting together with this sketchy guy played by Anton. And they're they're gonna pluff something. And I from the little teaser, I can't really tell what it is, but clearly they they need guns and an airtight alibi. And this is coming out March 9th, 2018. First time writer-director Corey Finley, but there's just something about this that looks sort of askew and interesting. Yeah, I, I think the trailer, I mean, it's definitely a teaser. It doesn't give you a whole lot. It's only a minute, but it there's it's so much fun. You can tell that this is going to be a story of uh, just a real dark humor sensibility. And the, the girls look just, they have a great um, presence of kind of that, that, rich, uh, sassy, I can do what I want, including kill people sort of attitude, which I think is just, it's wrong, but they do it so well. And it's just like oh, seeing Anton Yelchin. I'm like, oh, there he is. Poor guy. Uh, it just made me sad, but it's just, it reminded me of how much I always enjoy watching him on screen. <laughs> so this, I, I, I don't get a whole lot of what the story is other than it's kind of, I'm guessing it's going to be kind of a, a, a violent, dark comedy sort of thing, but, uh, definitely something that looks like something I'd want to watch. Man, it's cut great. I love some of these shots. The the tennis ball getting shot with the the you know in super super deep uh, you know um, blur in the background. I don't know what's going on back there. Like it's just there there are these just wonderful um, wonderful shots at the in the trailer. If this is if this is a good indicator of the rest of the film, I think it's going to be just really visually interesting. Uh, I love the girls. It looks super dark and. Uh, uh, I I think it's gonna be um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I I was I, I Yelchin yeah. of course is such a bittersweet um, character on screen. Uh, man, that guy had a lot yes, of promise. He did. And it was a nice connection to our series. So yeah, I love it. When did did you say when it comes out? March twenty eighteen. We got a, we got a little bit of way. It gives something to yeah. you know to look forward to in the spring next year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Andy. I think you should go because you I, you got a connection there. I do. You're right. Uh, it, so my trailer is man. I you know I knew they were making a film about uh, the New Mutants. I knew that they had talked about doing a uh, um, a, a three parter. I think of a around the new mutants and uh, but i'd heard nothing of the tone that they were and i expected it to be just another x-men movie and this is not just another x-men movie uh director josh boone writers uh joins um, uh, writers uh chris claremont uh and who wrote the comic book with bob mcleod and uh nate lee um and who write this horror like uh asylum thriller uh, in the X-Men universe. It looks very much like a uh, almost a locked uh, locked room horror thriller. Uh, it, it, it looks really haunting. They've got all these young kids uh, who are being tested and poked and prodded, and we start to see some of their, um, you know, some little snip, just quick, quick clips of their uh, powers as they're coming into their own, but it's really painting a picture of um, new mutants as a, a danger to themselves and humanity, and that's why they're locked up in this crazy place. Stars Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, which is fantastic. It's another Game of Thrones crossover to the X-Men universe, uh, which is great. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is playing Magic, or Ilyana Rasputin, um, who is the... Um, gosh, she was the younger sister of Colossus in the uh, X-Men lore. We also have um, uh, Charlie Heaton is in there as Cannonball. Alice Braga is uh, Dr. Cecilia Reyes. All these characters are, are, you know, for fans of the comic, they're... This this is their on screen persona and, and they look great. So I'm I'm actually weirdly excited about this one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, it at least it gives us something decidedly new uh, in the X Men universe, and we we kind of need that. What'd you guys think? I think it's very exciting to see. Uh, I mean, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about uh, Captain America: uh, The Winter Soldier. How there are so many 
comic book movies now that it's nice that we're getting um, them in different genres. And here we mm-hmm. get kind of this this um, this comic book superhero movie in a horror genre. And it really got me kind of excited. I, I don't really know anything about the New Mutants, but from my understanding, kind of the 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 drawing style within the comics is a little sketchier sort of look, and it kind of definitely has this darker tone. And um, just seeing that they really brought this to life here um, in this trailer, I, I, at least, I'm just like, wow, this this looks like a different take on uh, the Marvel superheroes, and. And I'm kind of excited about this one. I, I, it makes me wonder um, if they're going the R route or if it's going to end up being a PG-13 sort of thing. I don't know if they've um, uh, released that. But as uh, I, I do think it's uh, telling that they are releasing it on our next Friday the 13th. So Real, I'm really interested in this because of, you know, sort of moving into a different genre. But what really surprised me was that it's directed by Josh Boone. Yeah. Who did Fault in Our Stars, which is, you know, completely different tone. But yeah, because I looked at this and thought, okay, they found somebody that sort of works in that horror genre to, you know, to pull this off. But now I'm really interested because I think he's done a great job of, you know, capturing that feel. But knowing, you know, with like Fault in Our Stars, that ability to really tell a story focused on character. So I'm really intrigued by this to see in terms of, you know, the thrills of a sort of scary horror movie, but also, you know, Marvel's ability to balance genres and, and give us something that's going to be a lot about the characters themselves and not just this is five teens sort of stuck in this asylum. We're bringing in the whole mutant aspect, and I'm really interested to see how they grow this story uh, in terms of that tie into the rest of the, the Marvel universe. Word is, Steve, that even uh, Scott Neustadter, who... Uh, co-wrote fault in our stars uh with michael weber is actually um you know uncredited on the screenplay for for this film so the the fault in our stars the the stars are aligned let's say around the fault so this is going to be uh actually uh everybody's going to be wearing oxygen (laughs) takes through the entire (laughs) that's all we know (laughs) oh no it's funny this is like this is like Uh, a reverse of split instead of um you know a group of of young kids being held by a mutant this is a group of mutants. <laughs> a group of mutants by a i guess not by a young kid but still a group of young kid mutants being that's held very good in a basement this one uh you mentioned that our next friday the 13th that would be april 13th 2018 so we've got a little a little bit of time but um but looks good on the way excellent andy uh, my trailer is roman j israel esq it is uh dan gilroy's new film and uh, starring Denzel Washington and Colin Farrell and Carmen Ejogo. The, um, uh, I almost am instantly drawn to uh, any project that the Gilroys are involved in. I just find their, their storytelling so interesting and exciting. And they, they, they delve into uh, like kind of emotional conflict and turmoil in really interesting ways. I think Nightcrawler was one of the great films of the last uh, few years that somehow just didn't get the recognition that it deserved. It's just such a, an amazing film. And uh, Dan Gilroy uh, writing and directing again with this one, with Denzel at the helm. I mean, it just looks it looks fascinating. This this one is a story about a, uh, a liberal lawyer who's um, uh, just reading kind of from the, the Wikipedia thing, a liberal lawyer named Roman J. Israel has been fighting the good fight while others take the credit. When his partner, the firm's front man, has a heart attack, Israel suddenly takes on that role. He finds out some unsettling things about what the crusading law firm has done that run afoul of his values of helping the poor and dispossessed, and he finds himself in an existential crisis that leads to extreme action. That sounds a lot like the sort of things that Dan Gilroy likes to play with, these things where people run afoul of situations and and criminals, and there's a lot of uh, turmoil that ends up happening and, and people falling into dark uh, areas of the world. I find it really fascinating, and, and Denzel just looks fantastic in this. Uh, I think that he brings a lot to the table, and... Uh, you know, him opposite Colin Farrell, I think, I don't know, I think it's just going to be a really exciting film to just see. I hope that this is one of those movies that 
um, you know, kind of connecting back to the uh, Miss Sloan conversation that uh, that uh, Stephen JJ just had. I hope that this is one of those movies that doesn't kind of fall by the wayside and disappear because people have a hard time classifying it and may not end up going because they're not really sure what to make of it. But uh, I certainly hope that it does find its audience and I hope this trailer gets them in the theaters. What do you guys think of this one? Oh, yeah. You, you know, I mean, you pegged it right away with, you know, the connection to Miss Sloan. I, I look at this and then uh, like Michael Clayton as well of these, you know, films that center on a character. And it's it's a really, you know, f- focused on the character and some sort of crisis or, you know, mystery around them that we're going to go on this journey. And it is hard to market a film like that because you don't have those big trailer moments of like the big action sequence of the big laugh and it's, but it's so much about the performance. And as soon as I started watching this, I thought, Oh, this is, this is one of these, you know, Denzel centerpieces, but then to see Colin Farrell in there. And as the trailer plays out to see that we've got this dynamic between those two, I'm really interested in seeing this it wasn't something that was on my radar but after this trailer it's definitely something i'm prioritizing for november because this is one that i want to make sure i get out to see i loved nightcrawler so i'm really uh excited to see what dan gilroy is doing doing with this one and and you brought up you brought up michael clayton i just have to say another gilroy brother tony yes. gilroy <laughs> exactly you know anytime uh denzel plays an attorney uh any kind of attorney <laughs> I mean, it's weirdly, I think he's he's so good uh, in these these legal things. It just makes me, you know, think about Philadelphia again. You know, it's just uh, I how much I I ended up loving that movie too. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, and and but it's it's funny because I start thinking about like you know trying to classify Denzel and and it it is damn near impossible to do. He's done everything he's done sports movies he's done revenge movies he's done legal movies he's done for crying out loud he did the what was the unstoppable train remake uh unstoppable it was unstoppable right the tra- <laughs> that's what it was yeah that's right i forgot that that was the name and then used the name in a sentence that happened shut up nobody asked you guys uh he's done he's done everything and and uh it, it's tough not to not to get excited about denzel on stage or on screen he's just fantastic so i'm i'm a big fan well this is going to be opening uh next month november 10th so put it on your calendars uh and i bet this will be something that we'll be hearing more about I, i'd like to think i'd like to think this is something we'll be hearing more about when it comes time for oscar nominations here's hoping all right gentlemen it's time for the list Andy, what did we come up with last week? Well, considering we started the reboots with J.J. Uh, Abrams' 2009 Star Trek, our first uh, decision was really kind of, hey, you know what, let's do something about um, uh, movies where characters end up getting played by by new actors. And so uh, that's kind of our list, right? I know I know you have a, m- a more specific written out version of it, but... I, you know, I don't, and I. This is that was enough. That was enough. But I just want to clarify because I think I. I hope I didn't break any rules. Does it have to be a part of a series? Did we say that it had to be a part of a series? No, I don't think so. Okay, so it's just a. As long as the character is the same. Yeah, we're okay. And I was a little torn. Like as I was going through, I'm like, gosh, does a remake count? And I wasn't sure a remake really counted, but I, I wasn't going to discount it if somebody brought it up because we didn't really talk about that. But I assure you, Andy. Somebody did. <laughs> all right. Twice. As I understand, the underlying rule on all of these is films that have not been discussed on the next reel before. That's what I, I don't, I, I don't think it's been specified as a, a flat out rule, but it's certainly a challenge that, that we try to live up to because there were a good number. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, that, and, and who knows, who knows? <laughs> Who knows if I made that? I actually, now I look at my list, I, I'm trying to think, did we, I have to go to the site and search. Did we actually talk about this movie? <laughs> It's getting to that point. I, I can't remember. Uh, okay, so, you know, in I, I just want to be uh, clear that I, I, I do have a little bit of grace in my heart. Steve already had the red band uh, rule. <laughs> I'm, I want to relax my rule on this particular list and say, Steve, would you please go first? Oh, you're going to regret that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to say the the challenge that I found myself with, because at first I thought, oh my gosh, this is impossible. But then I I guess 
is it limited to fictional characters or is it historical characters can be included as well? Because we've got you know, a lot of important historical figures that have been characters in films, you know, you know, over time. So I, I was trying to, to balance that out. And in the middle of the night last night, I, I realized here's what I had completely overlooked. And I'm, so I'm going to start off with Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Oh, because that the, one off my list. That was, <laughs> yep. <laughs> now there have been other actors that have played Jack Ryan since then, but Harrison Ford is the Jack Ryan and really stole that role, you know, from what had been established by Alec Baldwin in the hunt for red October. And I think, you know, that was an important shift for that franchise to move from Alec Baldwin to Harrison Ford. And I think it really cemented that as a potential franchise that has struggled to find its footing with other actors since then. So for me, it is, you know, Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan. Is there a particular movie that stands out as the defining Harrison Ford one? To me, it's clear and present danger. These cartels represent a clear and present danger to the security of the United States of America. How dare you come in here and bark at me like a junkyard dog? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we all uh, probably just crossed that yeah, one. Yeah, that'd be the one. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, Chance. That was really, that was exceptional. Solid exceptional. Choice. All right, Pete, you're up. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this is, uh, I started going through the list and realized here's one that I am a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of the entire scope of this set of comedies, be it screen or screen or even stage, uh, and that is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'm a huge fan of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I laugh every time I see it. The musical is really funny. Uh, The film is terrific, and uh, the original film is also terrific. Uh, It it was called not Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. It was called Bedtime Story in 1964. The character is, of course, Freddie Benson, uh, who was originally played by Marlon Brando in the original, opposite David Niven. Uh, and uh, uh, it was Steve Martin who rebooted that particular character in the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine in 1988. Uh, it's funny. Uh, every time I watch it, it does fall within the IMDb star rule, the original film, which at 6.8. So it's over 6.5, which means there's a really good chance you're going to like it too. So if you haven't seen the original Bedtime Story, uh, it's really worth seeing. Uh, and you should watch them back to back to see how Brando and Steve Martin handle the character of Freddie Benson. I didn't even realize that that was a remake. I think that's crazy. Yeah, and now I it's really crazy. To totally, original, especially since Marlon Brando's in it. That just Marlon Brando and David Niven sound like the most odd pair. That's a. It is a totally odd pair. And you watch this movie and you think, why is does this not have more of an institutional memory? You know, like we should we should know of this movie. I, why did it just disappear? Uh, so totally worth it. There you go. That's my number three. All right. Yeah. That's on my list of shame. I, I hang my head low. I have still never seen dirty rotten scoundrels. (laughs) It's one of those. I know it's just like, yeah, I'll get around to it. And yeah. That's just, there's so many great lines in that film. The movie is just so funny. So good. It really is. All right. Well, my, uh, my first pick here guys is a, a fantastic, fantastic comic book movie that I wasn't really expecting like uh, to like at all because I found the first one that they made of this particular character in the 90s just to be atrocious. And I was like, oh, this is just, there's no way that they're going to do this well. And then I kept hearing about how they did such an amazing job with it and everything. I'm like, oh, I'll check it out. And I absolutely loved it. And it is, of course, the 2012 film Dread that Pete Travis uh, directed with uh, the fantastic Carl Urban, our uh, current McCoy, um, at playing the uh, titular Judge Dredd. And the way that that he plays this character is just so awesome. And the fact that he never takes his helmet off is great. It's just like everything they did with this character, it made me more interested in the Judge Dredd property. I haven't pursued that, but I still found it a much more interesting kind of sci-fi future world that they created here. And I just love this story. I love that idea of them kind of going into this tower and essentially kind of getting locked into it all out of the raid. But I think they they do just a fantastic job of, of giving us this story and with a fantastic uh, villain played by Lena Headey. So uh, that's that's my pick for my number three is Dredd. I knew you were going to pick that. That was on my that was on my other list. The list of Andy's going to pick that, so don't pick that. You'll you just do. No, that's good. That's a good pick. Yeah, I didn't know that had such a high place for uh, for Andy. It's one that I enjoyed. It was an interesting take on 
sort of, I guess, sort of rebooting the, the, the character. And I think they came up with a really unique and interesting story. And it's one of those that I thought had an interesting start and had hoped that they were going to do more with that and haven't heard anything, but I think it was an interesting take on the character and I hope we can see more. Yeah. I don't know if it did, uh, that well at the box office. I don't know if we're going to get another one, but which is a shame. All right, Steve, what's your next one? (sighs) Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at my list, trying to figure, all right, back in the early 80s and cable TV, I discovered as a young, nerdy Dungeons and Dragons playing teenager, a movie that just blew my mind, and that is Excalibur. And so I'm going with Merlin, because Nicole Williamson's portrayal of Merlin was one that just really stuck with me from the first moment I saw that film. To me, he was almost like, it was his story, and it just... The, the comedy that he brings to that is just something that seems out of place in a sort of medieval uh, action adventure story, but it was just such a thrilling portrayal. And there've been lots of other Merlins and Merlin, the magician, there's all kinds of takes on him, but for me, he will always be Merlin. That's funny. That's one that I, I watched later in life. I came to that one, I don't know, probably in the last couple of years. And it just, it was a film where I was like, oh, why do people love this so much? It didn't, it didn't hit me well. So I, I need to go back and revisit that one because I think enough people love it where it deserves another look. Oh, it's just, for me, it's now interesting to watch again and look at everyone who is in that movie. Yeah, that's pretty that, interesting. That I didn't know is like a 12 or 13 year old, but now there's familiar faces because you've got like Patrick Stewart is in there and a really young Gabriel Byrne and Helen Mirren in there. And it's... I think, yeah, there are parts of it that haven't aged well, but I think story-wise, yeah, give it another shot. I don't remember oh that gosh. movie at all. Not even a little bit. It's like the King Arthur movie that, from the 80s. I'm sure. I saw it. I had it was, to have seen it. There, there was the, <laughs> what sort of bore hasn't it seen was Excalibur? It interesting because the other thing was there was the PG version and then the R version that was on HBO. So there are like two versions, and I, I, I don't know... Now, which one was the original? If it was, uh, I think it was probably originally rated R and then, you know, hey, kids will want to see this. And they cut out a whole bunch of of stuff, I think, for, for cable for kids. Or probably, something like that. yeah. yeah. I, I just remember wow. being incredibly gritty. Yeah. Like it was, it was so much grittier than I was used to for like, uh, you know, King Arthur sorts of stories. It's definitely not the uh, Disney oh, version. heck no. It's, yeah. it's very much, uh, I mean, it's very much a John Borman yes. film. Man, John Borman came off right off of Exorcist 2 for this one. <laughs> Zardoz. <laughs> no, that's a great that's a great pick. Uh, okay, so my number two pick. Uh, this is another one that I'm a big fan of on stage or screen or screen. And that is juror number eight, 12 Angry Men. Mm. In the original 1957, this role was played by Henry Fonda. He was absolutely terrific. In 1997, Jack Lemmon uh, played the same role. Uh, and and actually, every one of the jurors, the unnamed jurors in this film, are fantastic to watch. But for me, uh, obviously, the juror number eight, that, that sort of um, linchpin uh, role, is uh, just amazing. Uh, and uh, both of them were at, at the very top of their games. And I know that they both uh, personally, as actors, deeply love the material, and you can just feel it uh, as they uh, as they wind their way through this these films. You've seen both of them, right? No. I've just seen the Henry, yeah, I've I've not, seen the Henry Fonda I've, one, yeah. and then I've seen the Inside Amy Schumer, 12 Angry Men, which to me is, is a piece of genius, <laughs> down to the casting, is just brilliant if you have you seen that pete no and uh, no i have not i'm sure i believe me i get it and i'm sure i would love it but (laughs) but no no no. you you need to see it if you if you love 12 angry men you have to see the amy schumer 12 angry men because they're they're debating whether or not she's really hot or not (laughs) but the way it's shot the casting everything it is a work of pure genius you're gonna Either you're either going to completely hate it because you feel it's uh, disrespectful to the original, or you're going to appreciate the brilliance and what I feel is the respectful way it treats the original and, and makes a parody of it. Well, I, I have great respect for Amy Schumer, even at her bawdiest, she is respectful of of you know her role as a comedian, and I think she's I think she's a fantastic talent. Uh, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'll be in favor of this. I'm I'm pre in favor of it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've only seen the original. I haven't even seen the Amy Schumer one, but uh, I, I really do love the original. I, I have it at home. It's just a fantastic, fantastic storytelling. Um, I, I miss the Jack Ryan one. Uh, Jack Ryan. <laughs> Jack Lemon one. That's a totally different version with Jack Ryan. <laughs> but Harrison Ford is great in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, number eight. Um, no, but it's uh, I'll have to check the Jack Lemon one out because I've always loved him. All right, so for my uh, second pick, gents, I'm going with the fantastic, fantastic Oscar-winning film from 1991, The Silence of the Lambs. We have the uh, continuation of the story. This time it's with uh, Clarice Starling, the FBI trainee, trying to uh, solve a crime. But she does have to go and talk to Hannibal Lecter, still in prison, and try to figure out uh, what's going on with his assistants. This is, of course, Anthony Hopkins, kind of, I would say, one of his most defining roles. Um, I, I think that what he brought to the table as Lecter is just brilliant. Some people do argue that uh, that Brian Cox had... Uh, a, a different take on Lecter in Manhunter, uh, Michael Mann's film from uh, from '86, that um, they still prefer over uh, over Hopkins. Um, and I, while I really love the film Manhunter, I think it's just a fantastic film. Anthony Hopkins for me will always be um, Hannibal Lecter. I think that he just so defined that role and just creeped the hell out of everybody. So that's my number two pick. That's a great pick. Uh, I can't believe I didn't think of it. In fact, that is that's uh, absolutely terrific. Uh, and and for me, yeah, I mean, I, Brian Cox is is great, but I and he would have been terrific had they managed to put him in these films. But uh, I I can't imagine. It, it makes me want to see, um, you know, it, just even more Lecter stories with Hopkins in them. Absolutely, just bring them every single one. You know, it, for me, it was an interesting discovery when, you know, seeing, I, I worked at a video store in high school, had heard great things about Manhunter, had never seen it. Silence of the Lambs came out, loved that film. And everybody's like, you know, there is this other Hannibal Lecter movie out there that's really good and really overlooked. Still have never gotten around to see it because I feel that really Anthony Hopkins just nailed that role so much. And I know there have been, you know, there's the TV series in this, but I think, again, it's, that perfect pairing of an actor with a role that really defines it. Well, definitely go check out Manhunter. I, did you see Red Dragon? No, oh, was that the Ed Norton? Yeah, that was. It was. It was basically a okay. remake of Manhunter, of but Manhunter. this time with Anthony Hopkins playing the Lecter role and really boosted up. the The thing with Manhunter is Lecter's part is fairly small. It's definitely not the focus of the story. It just happens to tie in just in a few little parts, and it works nicely the way that they do it. But really, the focus of the story is on is on Will Graham. Um, as he's trying to track down Francis Dollarhide, so um, it's a but it's it's a Michael Mann film from the eighties. You gotta you know gotta check it out. Yeah. Okay. Wait, Andy's telling me to go watch a Michael Mann film. <laughs> <laughs> Is it collateral? Okay. Oh, all right, Steve. What's your third and final pick? Okay. I'm so torn because I uh, there's so many good ones on my list that it's it's hard to narrow it down, and I. I I could take the easy out or I could take the challenging one. I'll I'll take the I'll take the controversial one. And I'm gonna go with 2010 Jeff Bridges as Rooster Cogburn. I know this sort of gets into the remake thing, but to me, I think you've got two iconic characters. I think Jeff Bridges really, you know, reinvented this character for a new generation in, you know, the Cohen brothers true, true grit. So I it was one of those uh for me, you know, how does Jeff how does Jeff Bridges fit into this? And to me, he really transformed himself from the dude into the rooster. And this one, I just had a, a great time with it. Uh, I did not grow up watching a lot of John Wayne films. I'm not a huge John Wayne fan. I have seen the original True Grit and enjoy it. But I think to me, Jeff Bridges performance in this one really, you know, sets them apart. Yeah, that was on my list. If I was going to go uh, with a remake, I, I I really enjoyed that film. And you're right. I mean, Jeff Bridges was brilliant in that role. I, I adored that movie. I, I think it was great. Not not least of which for uh, Jeff Bridges' portrayal of Rooster Cogburn, but uh, Cogburn, but uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld's portrayal of Maddie Ross was she's she was unreal oh, yeah. in in this movie. I mean, to my eye, she was. She yeah, was, what a find. The, yeah. Uh, incredible find for this movie. So, uh, but everybody in this was at the top of their game, and and Jeff Bridges was was um, he well he was great. He wasn't the dude, and that's the reason to see it. 
<laughs> Dude slam. <laughs> Man. Oh, I forgot about you and your... That's right. That's right. As I recall, when we talked about that, you liked it more than you I remember. liked it more than I remember it. But so I'm going to hold that. Now it's become much more fun to be the guy who really doesn't like it. <laughs> It's everybody. It's a badge movie. This is what we were talking about. It's a movie that I am proud uh, to say I don't like. Makes everybody crazy. You know, I'm gonna have to. You, you between you and Ben, lot. I swear, your your badge movies. You're just you're out to get me. I'm like, what? you're poking the bear. You're asking for. It. Sometimes you know the bear eats you. Sometimes you eat the bear. It will have been worth it. <laughs> All right, is it my turn? It's your turn. Uh, you know, I can't believe it. We've done six George Clooney movies on uh, the show over the years, and we've never done Ocean's Eleven. That's right. You believe that? I, I can. I love Oceans. I love the Oceans <laughs> movies, and this is, uh, this is I am loud and proud on these movies. Danny Ocean, uh, Frank Sinatra played the original Danny Ocean, uh, but the, the remake slash reboot uh, gave us a series of Oceans movies, and I love every one of them. Suck it losers i think they're fantastic and uh uh, danny ocean is charismatic and charming and uh he makes me want to be a 'er ne'er-do-well ex-con in las vegas he is an aspirational character for me uh and uh uh, i'd hang out with brad pitt (laughs) it's time for that yeah right that's that's all me so i'm very excited (laughs) about oceans 11 and i'm thrilled to say that i got there first because i know andy these were going to be high on your list too (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know that, do you? Oh, that's I, Pete. I'm there with you. I will gladly celebrate all three of these movies. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll ever be Danny Ocean unless you've got Steven Sp- uh, Steven Soderbergh speaking into your delivering you some of the sharpest, wittiest dialogue written. True. And this that Danny has. Just, but you know what? I would deal with that if I have to live with a bug in my ear to have Soderbergh. <laughs> as long as he would commit to doing his part, I would do mine. Okay. <laughs> I, I I I've never really loved these films. I have fun with them, but oh I also gosh. feel like they're in, in my world. They're kind of you know they're fluff Soderbergh, and I watch them and I go, oh, that was fun, and then I don't have to watch it again. Although weirdly, I'm yeah, the guy no, who totally right. uh, did find Ocean's Twelve the most enjoyable of the three. Oh no! So yes, a lot of people don't like that. Listen to if you get a hold of the you know commentary. To listen to because it's really interesting to hear Soderbergh talk about how he shoots those movies, particularly Ocean's 12, because so much there's such a large cast and some of those where they're all together in one room. And he talks about how he he lets the guys just sort of find their spot. They've done this before. They've worked together. They all find their spot. And then his challenge that he has for himself is he's shooting that just as, as they're going, but he never goes and repeats a shot. So you're not going to see like a camera set down in one place and he's going to keep cutting back to that angle. He is always moving around, finding new angles and ways to shoot them as they're having that conversation all around the room. Really interesting insight. Which which I think as a filmmaker could only be done if he was also shooting and editing it, which he is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is a celebration of like, I, I mean, these things are incredibly complex cuts and he is, is, has an enormous, like beautiful opinionated eye in terms of how he cuts and paces these things. And it makes it really fun. So I, I hereby tell all my clients, yes, many of the uh, filmic product that I have created for you was very much inspired by Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> You're welcome. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's your last one, Andy? My last one. Uh, you know, I, there are some fantastic franchises that have um, repeated characters. And I was trying to find one that I really enjoyed. And of all the ones that I ended up going with, I, I focused in on Batman. And I was looking at all the varieties of Batmans that have been out there. And I think there have been nine of them now. Um, and the one that I'm going with, though, is uh, possibly my favorite because it just it it was the perfect version of Batman that I think that I had been waiting for. And that is Will Arnett playing Lego Batman um, and specifically focusing on, we were introduced to him in the Lego movie, but specifically focusing on the Lego Batman movie because of the brilliant way that the filmmakers brought in every iteration of Batman into this story. I mean, we, we go all the way back to uh, Adam West and we see, we see like every version of Batman 
as he's remembering his past and everything. And it's just like the perfect way to to spoof Batman while also really paying homage to this fantastic character. I had so much fun with it, and I still love Will Arnett as Batman. Uh, anytime he kind of pops up uh, in it, I just think it's hilarious. So that's my final pick, the Lego Batman movie. I had a hard time with that movie, uh, and, and I'm saying I love it, and everything that you've just said is fantastic. It's great. But I had a hard time just adjusting to that movie because I expected it to have uh, the same sort of weird twist of heart that the Lego movie hmm. had, which which is, you know, obviously it's sort of impossible to just kind of recreate that experience of first-time viewing of the Lego movie. But I, I thought that the, the final 15 minutes of the Lego movie was transcendent. It really was, yeah. After such a goofy first, you know, three quarters of the movie, it was just amazing. And Lego Batman movie was, it was just the Lego Batman movie. And the other Lego movies are the Lego movies, and they just haven't been able to recreate that experience for me. No, I I think it's going to be hard for them to get back to a, a Lego movie type of experience like that. But for what they did here, I th- I really just loved the way they, they brought yeah. Batman in and just welcomed all of them. It was surprisingly yeah. thoughtful. Did you see that one, Steve? Steve? See, I, no, I have not seen the Lego Batman movie. But I, I, I liked that take on Batman in the Lego movie. And because I'm a gaming nerd, have the Lego Dimensions game on our Xbox One. And there's a great... The first part of that story is set in the... Um, Land of Oz. So it's hilarious when uh, Scarecrow shows up and Batman's freaking out because Scarecrow's there. <laughs> that was just brilliant. That is so yeah, funny. You're right. Game. I had totally forgotten that. So I, it's one that, as my kids are older, it's not such a high priority that they're itching to see Lego Batman, but I really enjoy what they did with him in the Lego movie. And it, it's on my list to, to get around to. So I'll take your recommendation and and uh, have a laugh with some some lighthearted Lego Batman as opposed to the the dark and brooding Batman that we've had over the past. If you're if you're years. a fan of of Batman, it's definitely worth checking out because I mean they even yeah. they even continue his his feud that he had with Batman uh, or with Superman in Batman versus Superman. Uh, they continue that feud <laughs> oh, okay. in this film, and he goes to he goes to talk to Superman up at uh, the Fortress of Solitude, and Superman's having a party with all the other superheroes, but didn't invite Batman. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like it's just brilliant. They did such a great job with it. Yeah, it is really funny. You're right. <laughs> Uh, there's our list. What a great list. We put the list in the show notes. You can swipe over on your mobile device and you will see uh, all of our movies and um, uh, you'll be able to jump to the trailers of the reboots that we like the best. Uh, what are we going to do for this coming week? Andy, have you put any thoughts to it? I haven't. Um, that's a good question. We've got uh, uh, a rebirth of Khan uh, reprising his role. We have some uh, nonsensical uh, sci-fi technology that is uh, developed further. Um. <laughs> I'm sensing a little bit of prejudging. Who me? No, we haven't Who talked about it yet, and I'm sensing a little <laughs> bit of prejudging. Yeah. Let's uh, let's see. What should we do? Um, uh, sequels. Uh... Sequels. Sequel, sequel remakes? No. <laughs> no. Andy, I, I expect many more rules uh, I know, than I know. that. That's terrible. I, I, I feel like there is something in buried in your um, extravagant use of sci- sci-fi technology to further the plot. Uh, <laughs> we should do something with, that's uh, not it, with but I feel people like that's with uh, uh, super strength or something. Like what? Because what is what is Khan? He's a uh, he's, they're genetically engineered. Genetically engineered. He's genetically engineered. We do yeah. genetic yeah. engineering. I don't know. That's falling flat for me. I mean, the core of the whole thing is the whole Kirk Khan sort of like nemesis revenge plot. I don't know if there's something in there because that's what really makes that story. You know, not from the original not in this one. Movie. There's not the. Uh, is there not the revenge no. in this one? Well, no. Well, it's, I guess it's not revenge against Kirk. It's revenge against Starfleet. Yeah. It's Khan's revenge. revenge. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like the I feel like we're 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 getting somewhere in the either nonsensical use of technology to further the yeah. plot or revenge, um, evil duo revenge plots. I think it's gonna. I think uh, I think the nonsensical of <laughs> of ridiculous technology as a as a plot solver. Or to you know plug a hole. I think that's 
more interesting list because I think the revenge thing it just we're going to probably come up against that again later on with something else. Whereas we're sort of in the sci-fi thing, and we you know may not get around to sci-fi again in a while. So I'd prefer to go that way. It's it's a definitely more challenging list to put together. <laughs> I think so too. Nonsensical use of technology to fill a hole in the plot. Right. That's what it is, I guess. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Okay. Excellent. Good luck, gents. <laughs> Good luck, gents. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, this will be uh, this will be a lot of fun. As ever, uh, thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. Because if you're doing that, you're probably, most likely, please, please, pretty please, a, a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash the next reel. We sure appreciate you letting us do this uh, and supporting us as we get together uh, early Saturday mornings to uh, jaw about movies. Um, thank you, Steve and Andy. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Good morning. reclamation that was good that was good (laughs) talk to you guys later I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings even Tommy's short-lived No No Wait Hear Me Out and so many films they've discussed started out as a book a play or even a TV series Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.